Theory. Finally, a podcast about the church for the church. Sit back and relax because you're now entering the reformed mental state. Hosted by the Chicano Knox. Coming from that gangster gospel perspective. Coming straight out of Geneva. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining Bible Theory once again. Just want to give a shout out to everybody in South Korea. I see you. I appreciate you. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. I know God is doing amazing things in South Korea. So I want to give a quick out, a quick shout out to all the Bible theorists out there in South Korea who are interested in studying ecclesiology, studying the church, and joining me on this theory as we explore pretty much everything with ecclesiology, which is the doctrine of the church, the called out one. We talk about church plant. We basically talk about everything, what God is doing with his church uh, from the past, you know, and even right now. So, and with that, in this episode, you know, I brought in um, my homie Peter Bell from the Grace, you know, uh, Gil Gratitude podcast. He's planting the church or he's involved in that out in my hood, Santa Ana in Orange County in the 714. So shouts out to everybody in the 714 and the OC. <laughs> so uh, Peter, go uh, go ahead, introduce yourself. You know, for those who don't know you, tell people who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm uh, graduating from Westminster Seminary, California in Escondido in May. So my last year studying there. So if your listeners know Westminster, it's a graduate institution training ministers for the gospel ministry if they know r scott clark and david van drunen michael horton and stuff those are those are my professors so i don't know if those are known entities to your podcast listeners but those are the guys that i study under um and so the the reformed faith that we're we're getting trained under so that's i hear a a little bit about me and then i uh i graduated from uh, biola university in 2013 played baseball biola for a year and then injured myself and spent six or seven years in the fitness industry, helping plant gyms and doing some personal training. And so got really into that. And then God called me back to seminary through uh, the local church. And our, my local pastor was, was really kind of pushing me to go back and study God's word more intensely, more intently. And I always kind of had a desire to plant a church. And he put more of a desire about two years ago to plant a, a URC, which is a United Reformed Church part of the kind of reformed Presbyterian tradition. We're super stoked about that and started Guild Grace Gratitude podcast about a year and a half ago with one of my friends who lives in Orange County, Nick Fulweiler, who couldn't make this. But yeah, that's been that's been super fun. And so getting the word out through that and interviewing just like what you're doing, it's been a blessing. So we're, we're stoked to see what God does and what God continues to do. And I've been married for a little over five years to my wife, Amanda, um, and she's been great. And she's been very supportive and seeing what God does through kind of our different ventures. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. Hey Amen. It really caught my attention. I think I saw one of the first tweets about it, maybe last year, about the Santa Ana Reformed Church getting planted. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm sure, you know, Southern California is a huge Bible belt, in my theory, not just because of West West, but like uh, of just many people, you know, like people think about Johnny Mac, people think about Ray Comfort, you know what I mean? So there's a yeah. lot of uh, church people in the Southern Cal area from Sacktown to back down. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, the, the guilt, grace, gratitude, explain how that started and, and the means behind that. Like, I know that came from the, comes from the Heidelberg Catechism. Yep. yep. I, I think the way I understand it in my studies is that the Heidelberg is divided in three parts, right? The law, yep. 
the gospel and then sanctification. And I think you can even add on to glorification afterwards. But focusing on those those three from the um, Heidelberg, explain how you got your inspiration, I, I believe, right from the Heidelberg. So explain a little bit about the history of, of the, your podcast, the, the, the Triple G. Yeah, so right when, right when COVID hit, March 2020, March 2020, uh, so a little less than two years ago, which is kind of crazy. My, uh, my now co-host and he, he's been my friend for, he was my friend. I knew him for two or three years before that. We're, we've always tried to figure out when the start of our friendship was. And we're pretty <laughs> sure it was sometime in summer of 2018. If he's listening, I'm, I'm sure he's going to listen to this when, once it comes out, he's probably right. screaming at his phone and say, no, we met in summer of 2017, which it's somewhere, <laughs> somewhere around those, those two years. Um, right. <laughs> but we actually, we got, we got to the podcast cause he, he was asking me questions about the faith. He went to a kind of a broadly evangelical church for, for a while. And he was asking his pastor some questions and his pastor wasn't really giving him some solid answers, some like some thick theological doctrinal answers. And he wasn't getting the gospel every week. And so he's kind of asking some questions. So he called, or I think he texted me one day and asked me straight up if there's the end of the world with COVID. And I was like, oh, we, we got to talk about some stuff. So he, we got in through eschatology into reform theology, which is kind of a, like a funny, weird way of getting into it. But we, we would talk for like, it was, it was kind of like starting a new relationship on the phone, but between two guys, wow. um, he was, uh, he would call me about an hour a day. And he's like, man, I, I have never heard of any of the stuff that you're talking about. I need, I need to know more. And so we just talked for a long time. And then summer of 2020 either he or i like we both kind of wanted to start a podcast for a little bit but then we both texted each other and said hey what what if we made this into a podcast these questions that i have for you about the reformed faith that i'm not learning about in church i don't know much about the gospel i don't know much about doctrine and so we started a little bit in summer end of summer 2020 and uh the whole thing was there's there's a lot of as you know as, as i'm sure your listeners know too there's there's a lot of thick reform doctrine that just that doesn't really get off kind of academic podcasts or off seminary campuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were we were really trying to push what is your what is your average lay person in the pew? What are their questions that they're asking that they're not getting answered in the local church and they're looking somewhere else? Either they're leaving their church or they're getting uh, they're deconstructing their faith or whatever it may be, that they're just they're they're questions that they can't get answered. And so that was that was kind of the impetus. And I was learning about the Reformed faith more intensely at Westminster. And we were studying the Heidelberg Catechism in R. Scott Clark's class. And so we we thought a really cool way where the first four questions of the Heidelberg are the law, effectively speaking, um, your guilt. And the next about 30, because uh, there's 52 questions in the Heidelberg Catechism, or 52 Lord's Days in the Heidelberg Catechism. There's 129 questions. And so, yeah, the, the first four Lord's Days are guilts. The next about 30, maybe 28, I forget the exact number, are the grace, so the, the Lord Jesus Christ, how he how he saves you from your sins, what justification is, what glorification is, all this stuff, all the good doctrinal stuff. And the last is gratitude. So in response to uh, Christ's grace and uh, redeeming you from under the law, being a righteousness, giving you righteousness, perfect righteousness in the eyes of God, uh, then what does that lead to as a, as a grateful, filled life? And so we... We took a lot from the Heidelberg and I started contacting professors and pastors from around the world and said, Hey, we have this idea for kind of bridging this gap to reform Christian theology. What do you guys think? And a lot of people said yes. And so we're like, I guess we're doing this. So that was, that was kind of the impetus and the, the build up now. So we do 
season by season and we go through different theological topics. We try to bring people from like very little knowledge. We just went through a covenant theology seasons. We went from the beginning of, okay, what, what's this all about? What are the biblical foundations? And we moved all the way to what does this mean for the church? Um, mm. So it's been, it's been super fun. It's been a blessing, grew faster than we ever would have imagined it to, to grow, but it's been, it's been huge and, and we've, we've loved it. And we see what God's doing and we hope that we can be part of God's work in this. It's really blessed me. That's very near and dear in my heart, you know, educating people, you know, helping people understand. Because, you know, that's how um, I wasn't raised in the church. You know what I mean? I wasn't. Yeah. You know, when I got introduced to the church, it was, uh, you know, through a broader evangelical understanding. Yeah. And, you know, Johnny Mac was like my gateway drug yep. <laughs> to, to yep. the Reformed faith. I'm sure yeah, mine was just many people. My only thing is that, you know, Johnny Mac was like my gateway drug understanding him reading his books and i was like whoa and then like spurgeon and then like it just went on from there so that's how i i got introduced now reading or mentioning the the heidelberg catechism most of my listeners are like what i'm trying to do is introduce them to the importance of the church yeah wh what the church is doing here and now basically just highlighting i just want to highlight and put a spotlight on what god is doing in the church right now yeah um, around the world, you know what I mean, interviewing missionaries and underground pastors. And then in my first season, I really went through just just different undercover, um, un uncovering the doctrine of ecclesiology from a layman's perspective, you know, because yeah. I didn't graduate from West West or East East or whatever, West East, whatever, however you guys call it. So it was just like me reading tons of Burkov and Calvin and all kinds mm. of stuff and then just trying to break it down like I would at a bar. You know what I mean? You know, most of my listeners are like... Um, not 100% reform. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, I, I, I believe they're like less than 40% of my listeners are probably like hardcore reform. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the, the rest aren't. The rest are just learning about it, you know, getting introduced to it. Because I want to be just like the gateway drug for them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so like, yeah. and that's what excites me about you guys is that you guys are taking it actually like a next step further, putting up, I don't know, like upside down push-ups, I guess, just a little bit more intense. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to talk about the catechism real quick on yeah. the importance of how and why a local church should consider the catechism. Like, what is the purpose for catechism? What do they do? Why are they important? If a pastor was listening to you right now and they have no clue or maybe they have a preconception of it, of saying, hey, yeah. that's Catholic. I don't do that. That's yeah. Roman Catholic. Catechism, what is that? Like, get that corn out of my face. Yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> so go ahead and just talk about that yeah kind of the overarching purpose yeah of a catechism just catechesis is just teaching it's you're mm -hmm. teaching the basics of the faith and so when so a guy named zacharias Ursinus in the in the 16th century in the 1560s he was writing this with another guy casper olivianus and their whole purpose for the catechism was not to teach already trained theologians or high level academics or ivory tower people it was it was a treat. It was to teach uh, effectively kids at their church because their sinus was a preacher on a week in week out basis. He also taught the local university uh, and same as Olivianus, but they were, they were preachers by heart. That's, that's what they love. They love the local church. And so they wanted to build kids up and, and parents who didn't come from uh, a Christian background, they want to build them up in the faith. And so the best way for them to do it, where they saw in church history that there were many catechisms written. There was the Apostles' Creed, which is not a catechism, but it's kind of a, a summary of the faith. The Nicene Creed, the Chalcedonian, the Athanasian. So they, they saw in the history of the church that there were 
there were many creeds and catechisms and confessions used, and these mm -hmm. summed up the faith. And it's it's an easy way of describing, hey, here's the doctrinal standards that we stand by, that we don't err from, that we don't move from, and not because they're over on top of the scriptures, but they, they help define and summarize the scriptures mm -hmm. in the most helpful, uh, concise, and clear way possible without using big words. So if you read the Heidelberg Catechism, it can kind of come across, if you've never heard of it before, it can be can be a little bit scary to go into this catechism like oh this this is high level language and you read it and it's it's about as comforting as it gets mm -hmm. uh, when you read through it and it's it's actually not written at that high of a level and so lay people could read this that he I, I think the age group that they were looking at was between six and 15 years old when they first wrote the catechism back in the 1500s mm -hmm. so it's meant for people who don't have any categories it's meant for people who don't know what they're looking at when they read the bible and right. it gives you guardrails when you read the Bible. And so when you read the Bible, it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure if Jesus is fully divine. You go through the catechism, you go through the confessions, they, they help you define some of these words and they help you with some language around this. They give you some scriptural proof text to go through and say, okay, I see, I see where his divinity is, I see where his humanity is. And then people come across, like you said, and they'll think, well, that's a, that's a Roman Catholic thing because they have catechism class, they have confessionals, they have all this stuff, but we, if you look at the history of the Christian church, the Catholics effectively take that from the church fathers. And when Calvin and Luther and Ursinus and, and all these big reformers, when they're reading or when they're looking at church fathers, they see them doing this catechism stuff, them doing this confessional stuff. And like, oh, this is not actually from the Catholic church. They actually took it from the church fathers. And the church fathers are trying to build their people up in the faith. And I think this is something we should be doing too. And so it's, there's a misconception that it's kind of an exclusively Catholic thing before the reformers took it over. And the reformers mm -hmm. just look back to the church fathers and say, they've, they've been doing this. And there was a, not really a rumor, but there was a kind of a legend, which is potentially true, potentially not. There's, there's not too much evidence behind it, uh, but there's a little bit where in the early church, because they were so communal, so church focused, it was your church, which, which is kind of what we're hoping for now, your, your church like was your home uh, where you knew your people, um, you hung out with your people, you fellowshiped, you, you received God's word, you received the sacraments, you heard the gospel. But they had a pretty intense uh, catechism understanding where they would not allow you to become a member for three years after catechism class. And uh, so they tended to be uh, kind of strict, but also when you became a member, I mean, you knew your stuff which is, uh, right. I think both you and I would agree, like the kind of modern evangelical, if, if you've been uh, a member of your church for 20, 30 years, a kind of a, a broader evangelical church, unfortunately, there's very little doctrinal understanding. They don't know their Bible very well, which praise God is, is not the case in the reformed church, uh, most usually. So that, that tends to be kind of a hurdle. People are like, oh, they're just so smart at the reformed church. They, they know so much more than me and I can't hang with them. And they know so much more about the Bible. And it's, it's, they started somewhere. They started the same place that, that anybody else did, uh, but they've just been trained really well in the church. And catechisms and confessions and stuff do this for us, where they both set guardrails. These are the things that we don't believe in the Reformed Church, that we don't believe according to the gospel of Jesus, uh, but they also build us up in the faith as well. It's really important, and I agree with everything you said. And um, the way I found it in my personal history, my journey was I found it as a major help, as yeah. a major tool, as a side footnote next to the bible i'm going back and forth and you know and i read pretty much all of them you know the yeah. London baptist the 
the Westminster, the Heidelberg, you know, the Canons of Door, all that stuff. Yeah. It's just a major, major, major help. It's really, like you said, it really does explain some of the terminology yeah. and all and that if stuff. I can, if I can add to you, with what most churches, every church, and you've seen this, and I'm sure your listeners have seen this, every church has a confession of faith. Every church, quote unquote, catechizes their people or culture catechizes their people. So something is happening you, you have some statement of faith on your website, whatever it may be, we believe this, this, and this. But is your statement of faith, is it, a, is, it, is it A, is it tested by history? Is it tested by the church? Is it tested by, you can say, tradition, um, tr- tradition of the church, tradition of the gospel? Or is this something you kind of made up on your own because you think you can make up your own confession? So it's everyone has, just like everyone has a liturgy, everyone has a confession of faith. It's how true to the Bible is your confession of faith. Right. And as you can see, let, let, let's use that as a segue to the, uh, to the context of where we're at in, the tw- in 2022, where America is in the West, where the American church is. You think as Bible belts, there's a lot of Bible belts, you know what I mean? You got Nashville, yeah. Southern Cal, you got Colorado Springs, you got shoot, Florida, <laughs> parts yep. of Florida, you know what I mean? Where all the Presbyterians dom- dominate. I think it's just like, man, there's so many Presbyterian churches yeah, in Florida. Yeah. So you got the Baptistic South and you got like all kinds of, so, you know, you got tons of Bible Belt in America. It's kind of crazy. And when, when you look at it, you're like, well, why aren't the churches stronger? Like why, why are so many churches going for all kinds of newer philosophies that we see on the 6 p.m. news channel? Right. Uh, not only that, but like, why are, you know, some denominations full blown just, getting you know homosexual marriages and men could get pregnant and 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 all kinds of just like like um blasphemies and and heresies and all kinds of atrocities yeah um and beyond as the american church is like shaking and and changing right so Mm -hmm. do you think the lack of catechisms within the church and teaching their people the bible hashtag how to eat your bible (laughs) that has contributed to the to the should I say decline of Christianity or the shaking and waking of Christianity? Yeah, I think I think it plays a big part. I think there's you are being catechized. There's no question about it. It's are you being catechized by the Bible or are you being catechized by culture? So everyone's being taught something. Everyone everyone's under some sort of teacher un, under some sort of system. So when when we're not teaching in the church, kids, parents, whoever are being taught something. So we're all under some sort of world system. It's is our world system. Is it conformed to the gospel? Is it conformed to cultural things that pass away? So there's, I think there's there's that where like we're being taught. So it's are you being taught well and are you being taught gospel centered truth? So there that plays a part in it. Uh, I think we don't know our church history very well, so we don't know what happens when we're not doing this stuff. And there's a Dr. Glad Ben Glad we've had on a couple of times. He he's made this point. I, I think it it's proving more true and more true. We just don't read our Bibles enough. Uh, we don't know our Bibles well enough. We're not we're not preaching our Bibles in, in a lot of these churches. The Bible is not being preached. Culture is kind of being preached, or the hobby horse of the pastor is being preached in some sense. But expositional preaching, book by book, let's get deep into the Bible. Let's have Bible studies. Let's let's just learn more about the Bible. It is is not as prevalent at, at churches as, as you would hope it would be. So it, it leads to less and less knowledge of the Bible. <clears throat> and yeah, we don't have catechism, so we. We don't have a system of doctrine where we can train people up in the faith and where we have known about these heresies for a long time. We've, we have these catechisms in large part because of these heresies. So we're trying to fight against them. And so when we don't have these guardrails, it's, it's very easy for our sheep 
to move across into other pastures and think like, oh, this looks pretty good. This this makes sense. If we don't have guardrails around, and and that can that could be like, oh, we don't we don't have freedom around the Bible. It's like no, you, you like you in effect like you want guardrails about about doctrinal issues because you don't want to be kind of teetering off or wandering off into heretical issues or uh, unbiblical issues. So there's there's a confluence of stuff where I think maybe the first would be. We just don't know our Bibles very well. We're not preaching it. We're not reading it. We're not studying it enough. We're not teaching our children. and They're, they're being taught by somebody. It's just, Is the Bible teaching them or is culture teaching them? We don't have a doctrinal system that makes sense for the holistic view of the Bible where they can place things in it. It's like, okay, I, I see I see where this fits with the Bible. I see where this fits with my life. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a confluence of factors, but I think those might be the biggest. Yeah, let's bring this into focus. You're planting a church in downtown Santa Ana in, sub, in the 714. Yep. In a historic district, bro, in La Cuatro. I know yep. where you're at. I know where yep. you're at. So let me tell you a little bit about the demographic of, of thinking. Because I grew up in that hood, you know, for like 17, 17 yeah. years of my life. Yep. And here's what people think. They're brown skinned, they're, they're, they're Hispanic. Most yep. of them are like Mexican, right? Let's say you, you give them a, a Westminster, a larger catechism or a shorter catechism from the Westminster, right? Yeah, Westminster. <laughs> Here's what they, they're going to look at it. They're going to be like, Westminster? Oh, that's like the little town next to Garden Grove. Like, this is the <laughs> yep, church. Yep, yep. This is the church. This is the church on 17th and, um, you know, whatever yeah. uh, by Stater Brothers. That's like a. Uh, that's the city, bro. Like, what do you? Well, what church is this? Yeah. So that's how like lack of knowledge it is yeah. in La Cuatro. And then yep. once you start talking about like baptism, here's another demographic of thinking. Oh, I already been baptized, bro. Like, you know, my mom got me baptized when I was seven at the church. You know what I mean? The yeah, that, that Catholic church way down there. The mission. That's two things right there that are already th- the, in the mind embedded in your own church plant demographic of. Yeah. La Cuatro, La Cuatro, right? People baptize already and Westminster, uh, Westminster larger or shorter catechism. Is that a church out there by Garden Grove? What is this? I thought you were right here. Yeah. Yeah. So application. How do you guys apply this to your to your to your 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 newer mission field of the historic of the historic district downtown of Santa Ana? So how, how do you apply these things? in your own mission field, right? Yeah. That's your mission field. That's how people yep. think. That's how I thought. So yeah. many people are thinking that. So how do you do that? How do you combat that? And I guess let's talk about that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of knowing your, knowing your people, knowing, and I grew up five minutes away from Santa Ana. So I know, I know the area really well. My wife, my, my wife's whole family lives in like right, right next to downtown Santa Ana off Spurgeon street. We know the area super well. We know the people there really well. We went to church there for a long time. And so we, we know kind of the the ethos and there's a lot of like culture, like there's a lot of Catholic cultural background. There's a, like a burgeoning, like a very, a very fast growing Pentecostal background in the area too. So we see a lot of this stuff. And so there, there's some like cultural assumptions with church where it used to be a little bit more that you went to Catholic church and that's just what you did. It, or if not, you went to like Calvary Chapel, which is in Costa Mesa, or you went somewhere else. You went to Saddleback and Lake Forest. You went to the big church in the area. There's there's a couple big ones, but there's very little knowledge doctrinally. Like why, why do we do what we do? What is the gospel? What is salvation? Who is Jesus? 
there's there's a lot of cultural assumptions, kind of like you talked about with the Bible Belt stuff. We started out just defining, uh, we went to the bare bones basic, what like what is a church, kind of like what your podcast is about. What is a church? Why do we do what we do? And so we're going through a book on the Reformed Church, the kind of the bare bones basics, giving them a foundational understanding of what the church is and what it, what it exists and functions to do. So we're, we're building the foundation first. We added in a little bit of doctrinal study. So we, we just studied um, this past week on uh, justification and sanctification, what those two things are and uh, um, what happens if you intermix them um, versus if you separate them. So there's, there's a couple of things that we're, we're going through. We haven't gone through the catechisms quite yet. But we want them to have a little bit of language. And then once, once we start building up some of their knowledge on that stuff, in a couple months, we'll start going through the catechisms. And because I, I described it at first, and like, like kind of like you said, they either A, they didn't know what they were, or B, they said they had some, some baggage around it with, with the Catholic faith, with canon law, with a lot of the stuff that happens in the Catholic Church. And so we're, we're treating most of them. And it, some of them have been to church before. Some of them have never been to church. Almost none of them are reformed. And so we're trying to we're trying to build them up in the faith, but yeah, we're we're starting very 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 basic, and then I do maybe a twenty or thirty minute study. We're going through the Book of Judges, and so I'm showing them okay. There's, these are the foundations of the church. This is how we run church. This is why we do this. Here's here's the biblical reasoning for how we're doing this, and then to kind of give them a snapshot, a preview of what this actually looks like on the ground. We go through a certain section of Judges and say, okay, how how's the gospel proclaimed in this part of the, the Book of Judges? What is knowing a little bit about the, the cultural background in this area, uh, help you with judges? How does how is the, the flow of it? What are the characters? And so we're trying to show them this is actually what it looks like when you go to a service. What, what does preaching look like when you go to a Reformed church that may not have experienced before, but they've experienced a lot of kind of moralistic preaching, tell them to do more and try harder versus what Christ has done for them. We're starting bare bones and we started a couple months ago. So that's 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 why we we wanted to kind of assume nothing and then build from there to help them grow in their faith and and see when they actually start coming to the church they'll understand okay now I know why we do what we're doing I know why we do this part of worship why this is being done I know what the Lord's Supper is I know what baptism is I know what preaching is I know like why I give all that stuff so we're, we're trying to build that to where they come they're not um, overwhelmed or scared of, of walking into the doors of a church. And that's very important, you know, going down, meeting them where they are. You know what I mean? That sounds yeah. very exciting instead of just going up to them and be like, you know what? You don't even look or smell or play the part of the canons of the door. You ain't welcome here, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Because, you know, going to a reform church reform- can be scary. It yeah, can be, yeah. It could be hard. Yeah. And it could be a shock. You know, yeah, it's, a, from the- it's a shock. Like you walk in, you're like, this, <clears throat> this looks weird. This looks Catholic. This looks different. This is why, why is it so structured? Why does it look so somber? They're very used to kind of hyped up services. And so, yeah, it could be, it could be shocking in that point. And they're also, I think kind of the assumption around it, which we've seen. And I, I had myself was all those reformed people. They're way too smart. They're way above me that I, I can't, like, I, I can't go to that church. I'm not going to understand it. That they, they think they're better than me. They know more than me. I'm scared. And God help us. God have, have mercy on, on churches like that. You know what I mean? Because everybody's vulnerable to pride. You know, no, no one's above yeah. Yeah. pride. You know, everybody has struggles with pride. And we have room to improve. You know what I mean? Yeah, the churches, we all have room to improve. We all have greater abilities to be humble, more meek, more lowly, associate with the least of these, all, all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's for the wider. That's for everybody. 
Yeah, so it's very exciting. So when when do you guys actually open your doors and start your first Sunday? Yeah, so we're actually we're potentially transitioning. So right now we meet on Thursday, Thursday nights. We meet right out in the open. So we don't we don't meet in a room or kind of private where we meet right on like where the where the streets out where people are walking by because our, our hope is people hear the gospel, hear about Jesus. And we've had a couple people just walk by and say, Hey, I heard you guys talking about Jesus. What are you guys doing? So we try to meet out and be more like not in your face, but we try to we try to evangelize a little bit more as we're doing some Bible study stuff. But we're we're probably switching to Sundays, not Sunday worship quite yet, but sometime in in March is about we're looking to switch to Sundays, Sunday afternoons. And then hopefully doing something that looks more like a worship service, probably sometime in May, May or June. Depends on my graduation stuff, my ordination, because I won't get ordained until September through our denomination. So we're, we're, we're looking to see what a lot of this stuff looks like and eldership that we have to get around and accountability and fundraising and stuff. So there's some things we have to do on the front end to make sure that when we actually have worship services, they're sustainable. We have the people, we have the elders and the deacons ready. Uh, we, we know what we're doing. So that's, there's a couple of steps down the road, but that's, that's kind of a rough sketch of what it looks like. Very fun. Very fun. And you guys are actually um, coming from Oceanside, right? As, yeah. I, as, yep. as, as I understand it, was that o- o- Oceanside URC? Yeah. Right? Oceanside United Reformed Church. Yeah. The pastor is Danny Hyde. Pastor Danny. Right. And Let's go back in time and let's look at the structure of Oceanside, which yeah. is, uh, you know, already they, they've been there for a while. Yep. They had they have an established core. Let's look at the most important part of coming from a church to plant a church, how that was helpful. What are some of the yeah. infrastructures they got in place in order for to make that possible? Yeah. So um, they started 21 years ago as a church plant from another church in Escondido, Escondido URC. And so Danny Hyde started it <coughs> right after he graduated from Westminster. And so they've, they've been growing steadily. They had a little rough, rough patch in the early 2010s, but they've been growing again steadily. But kind of the nominations, but it's not terribly different. We're in our denomination, um, the church plants other churches. So Oceanside sends me out as a church planter. And then eventually the, the, our denomination will approve. And I think it's, it's different in more explicitly Presbyterian circles where their Presbytery sends you out. They, they examine you, they send you as a church plant, and then they are the ones who provide resources. Somebody else may correct me if I'm wrong on that stuff, but I think that's how more explicitly like Reformed or Presbyterians do it. But URC, it's, it's churches do it. So they, they send me out as a church planter. And then it's, there's a couple years process where once I'm sent out, we build a core group. We don't, so usually you take it from your church, your home church, and you, you kind of travel with a, a core group that helps you settle and, and gives you some people on the front end. And we started from scratch. We we're just doing evangelism in the area. We promote through our podcast. We're we're trying to we're trying to build a church from the ground up for those who've never been to Reformed Church before, haven't heard the gospel, don't know what a church is. That's that's the people. So we're doing it slightly differently than that. But Oceanside will provide our elders on the front end, and then we're a couple other churches in the area will provide elders because we always want to make sure that the church is governed well, that people are looked after, that the finances are done well, that everything's under supervision and accountability, that I don't have final say so that. I'm just under the same accountability that everybody else is. So there's there's a couple of things like that that happen. So I, I meet with Danny on a kind of regular basis to see how things are going and 
one of the elders comes up for the Bible studies on a week-to-week basis to, to make sure things are done well and that we're following good order. The, the whole thing is, so it's not like you can just start a church on your own and do whatever you want. So I had to get examined if I was going to be a church planter and I had to get licensed to the URC, made sure that my theology was strong, that I knew what I was doing when I was preaching, and that I get a, a bunch of opportunities across Southern California to preach at other churches. So trying to build that stuff up too. But that's that's kind of kind of what it looks like from that. And so Oceanside on the front end will provide a lot of the structure. And then once we've trained up elders as part of our own local church, then we'll have our elders there. And then Oceanside will take back their elders so they'll send an elder, another church just north of us will send an elder. And that, that way we have people who are already trained, who I, I can be accountable towards. They can they can shepherd the flock with me as we train those in our church to to shepherd our own flock. That's kind of what it looks like. There's there's more to it, but maybe to keep it right to keep it simple. That's that's about it's about what it looks like. It's from beginning to end, planting a church, at least in the URC, is probably a three to four year process. It's a little bit longer than um, I think. Most people might think for a regular church, we just kind of start your own Bible study. You go from there and you, if you grow, then you you start. For ours, there's a lot more accountability and structure to make sure we're doing things according to the Bible, according to, we have a book of church order, so things that are done correctly. And so like, I can't administer a Lord's Supper until I'm ordained and right. I can't do baptism until I'm ordained. So there's there's a lot of things that, that happen that, so I have to wait for my, my ordination in September. And that's that can sound like, too structured to people like, oh, why do you have to go through all these hoops? Why can't you just preach the gospel? And it's, we can just preach the gospel. We want to make sure that we're doing things according to the word. Um, they're letting the, the word, the Bible drive how we do church. And that's, that's, that's how we have the church been done for thousands of years. And we want to continue that trend. Amen. And, and that's so, so central what you said, that the church is surrounded by the Bible. It's central. Yep. That yep. The Bible plays the central role of the church gathering. And it's not, you know, personality or you yep. know, the flashy light. And yeah, we don't have to make anything up. It's, it's already, the, the path is already set for us. Yeah. To be honest, I have a huge soft spot for, for, for Pentecostals. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Because they really love the Lord. You know what yeah. I mean? They, they're really energetic. They're, they're really like gung-ho. They like, you know what I mean? If you go to South America, like they're everywhere. It's like, yeah, it's really true. hard to find a Reformed Baptist even. You know what yep. I mean? It's yeah. like you got to call up, you got to call up Paul Washer and be like, "Yo, where you at?" <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. He's like, "I'm in Peru and I'm the only one here." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, well." So it's like Pentecostals are everywhere, bro. Yeah. And it's like I really do have a heart, a soft spot for them. I know a lot of them, you know, personally. I get invited to their Bible study sometimes, and you know, to be honest, somewhat refreshing in in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in a large way, it's like, man, I really wish you guys just open the Bible and read it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If this is a Bible study, why aren't we studying the Bible? Right. And dude, I went there and it's like, I, I was the only one with the Bible. Like granted, everybody yeah. had Bibles on their phones, but you know yeah. what I mean? I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to open up and read because everybody was talking about faith. And I was like, ooh, what an awesome topic. And then I read, uh, what was it? Uh, Romans 10, where Paul's talking about um, where faith comes from is by hearing the word of God. And they're like, whoa, 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 let's not get too much into it because you know, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, I'm actually getting pushback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For reading the Bible. Yeah. I was like, dang. Imagine if I read a chapter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There'd be, there'd be an uproar. Yeah. So why, why is that? Why, why are people so like pushed away from just reading the word? Is that just too sim- simple and boring? Like, what, well, what is it? Yeah. I mean, there, there could be, there could be something to that. And there's a major kind of push and I, I couldn't pinpoint it necessarily. 
but there's there's that western individualism and that sounds like a big it's it's just where we are us focused rather than outward focus so where does the where does our authority come from it for most people their authority they think comes from inside themselves and so when they look through a bible passage when they read something they think what do i think about this how do how do i interpret this versus our authority coming from outside of us where we can look through the interpretation, we can look through church fathers and reformers, they can help us with this, with, with this understanding. And so do we when, we, when we read through the Bible or when we think about any part of the Christian life about faith, like you just said, is our understanding of faith formed by the Bible or formed through our own experience? And there's part of it where there may be some faith experience within ourselves, but for the large part, we, we have a definition of faith. Like you said, from Romans 10, we have it from Hebrews 11. We have it from a bunch of different places in the Bible where it tells us this is faith. Faith, faith is faith in Christ. It's not just a, it's a like a weird concept of faith that ebbs and flows necessarily. It's it's faith placed in somebody outside of yourself, not just in yourself. Um, faith is so a person, right? The, the, yeah, the word, the word, the word. Yeah, exactly. The word is so Jesus. Yeah, and so it's are you looking inside for answers? Are you looking at yourself, your own heart, your own feelings that are going to change and ebb and flow and move and and grow or decrease, or you're going to look outside of yourself to an objective truth and objective work and that objective truth and the objective work being Christ, where his satisfaction, his, his sacrifice on the cross, that's where your faith is placed on, not kind of your own individual experience that, that will change day to day. And that, that leads to frustrations that leads to you being scared of if you're saved or not, because you don't feel like you're doing that all that great. Uh, instead of looking outside of yourself to Christ, who's done all the work for you, and you can look to him and say, okay, he's the one that my faith is placed on. It doesn't matter how strong or how weak my faith is. As long as I have faith in Christ, then I am saved. And so I, I think there's there's a lot of that stuff that happens both in and out of the church, and, and unfortunately in the church, where it's a subjective experience versus an objective experience, where it's it's placed on something that's that doesn't move, that doesn't change, that Christ's satisfaction, his forgiveness, his, his sacrifice on the cross, it doesn't change. It's perfect. It, it does exactly what it was meant to do versus looking inside yourself, which does change. So mm -hmm. I, I think there's there could be a lot of that stuff. We're, we're very used to, you have your own truth. You can do your own thing. You can you can make up your own life. And and that's that sounds great for individuals until you actually hit the ground. And what does it actually mean for truth and how I live my life? That's where we have to look outside of ourselves to Christ. Amen. And, you know, just to wrap this up, people who are listening, can you just give them where um, areas of where to find you, where to support, you know, the, the church plant, a couple websites? If, you're, if your listeners don't know, we, we're, um, so I run the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. Uh, you guys can just search Guilt, Grace I think if you search Guilt Grace, we show up. Guilt Grace Gratitude will show up. If you, I think if you type in Heidelberg, we might show up. We're across a couple of different platforms. We're on all the, the podcasting platforms. We're on social media at Guilt Grace Pod, both on Twitter and on Instagram. So you guys can find us very easily on that. And then our, our church, we don't have a website quite yet for it. Um, that's in that's in the works, but we have a, a Twitter. We have Santa Anna URC. And we, we link to that quite often on our on our podcasting thing. We, we try to keep the church page separate from our podcast stuff we want to keep the church um primarily the church right um, where if you just follow the church you would have no idea we run a podcast but if you follow our podcast you know we run a church right uh, so we're trying to keep the the church separate because that's that's the function of a church is we proclaim the gospel we don't proclaim our podcast so there's there's that and then my co-host nick he's on he's on twitter 
um, and are fully. I don't have a Twitter or Instagram. That's kind of on purpose. So I, I just, if, I, I usually interact with people on, on, the, on those platforms. And then we have a, we have a document. If you guys want to keep up with the church, you just, if you go on our Twitter, it, it links directly to updates for the church. Uh, right. If you want to follow our parent church, mm-hmm. Oceanside is Oceanside URC. There's there's a there's a bunch of different ways we want to we want to make it as easy as possible. To find us. We we put a bunch out. So those those are the big ones. We have a YouTube at Go Grace Gratitude Podcast where all of our audio stuff is also on video. So you guys, if you don't want to listen to it, you can watch it. So there's there's a couple of different ways to find us. Yeah, amen. And, and, you know, and I do hope that you know you guys reach Santa Ana. Yeah, a huge, huge demographics. Uh, you know, largely Hispanic. It has grown more Hispanic since the nineteen yep. since ninety two. Yeah, it's eighty um, something. It's like it's eighty one percent Hispanic right now. Yeah, and that's that's crazy. Um, and, and I think I felt the change when I was in seventh grade. I was like, huh. wow. Yeah. Like, I used to have like white friends and black friends. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like everybody was Mexican and I and it was hard <laughs> to find a black friend. I was like, yeah. I had to go yeah, to yeah. like like I had to go to like a different part of town. You know what I mean? Yeah. If uh, I can if I can shout them out too, I just met with them last week. The, it's a guy named it's it's Reverend Rudy Rubio. Oh, he's Rudy, in Los I know Angeles. Rudy, yeah. yeah. So he we we hung out with them last weekend, him and him and his crew. They they started a Bible study in Westminster, the the city of Westminster. And so they're they're actually starting a church next year in Santa Ana. So we're, we're going to try to join forces with them. So we're, we're probably going to take the, the West side of Santa Ana. They're going to take the East side. Uh, exactly. So we're hoping to, yeah. So if I can, if I can shout them out too, they're, they're reformed church of Orange County and they have a Bible study too. So if you, if you guys reach out to me and you guys live in that area, I'll, I'll connect you with them too. Cause we, we want to see both of our churches grow and flourish. Absolutely. I have a huge heart for the Hispanic community, yeah. you know, um, they're, they're more explicit. Anna. Like they're, they're going for the hood. They're yeah. going for because they're they're former gangsters. They're they're like that's that's, that's the that's the people they know, and so that yeah, they're that, going they're going for them exclusively. And they're they're confessional, they're reformed, they know their stuff, but they have a huge heart for yeah. people who are are disadvantaged or, or come from rough backgrounds. Yeah, and that's my background, um, honestly. And yeah. I, I I never met Rudy Pastor Rudy before, but you know I, I've interacted with him here yep. and there. I desperately want to go out there and meet up with him, see what's going on, and then emulate that here in Colorado Springs where it's very similar. Yeah, you got to come out and hang out with us. Yeah, dude. I got to do that, man. You know, I'll rent a lowrider, and then we'll go out cruising on Bristol. Heck yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> pass out, like, tracks and stuff. Exactly. That's, that's what we're going to do this summer. All we're, doing, all we're doing this summer is passing out tracks and evangelizing. Hey, actually, you know what? If you're in the L.A. area with the SoFi Stadium, I'm actually going to the Super Bowl to go preach, huh. um, pass out Bible tracts when people walking into the Super Bowl and walking out. Okay. Yeah, because there's millions and millions of people going to, um, well, thousands of people yeah. going to the Super Bowl. And it's like I've been invited through another person who does evangelism. Yeah. And he does evangelism to people who go to sporting events, which was, okay. which is pretty smart. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. So I will be in L.A. from February 9th. February 13th. Okay. Um, which is that Sunday. Yeah. You got to connect with Rubio then. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he's totally available, but you know, if anybody's <laughs> listening, they, they want to. I can, I can connect you with them. Yeah. You know, hit him up. I know he's really busy. He is I, busy. I definitely. He I definitely loves hanging wanna, out with people. Dude, I definitely want to interview him, um, talk about how to reach the hood. Yeah. Because, you know, I really want to reach the hood. And I think. What he's doing has been what I wanted to do, and you know I just need to find that structure of somebody doing it so I could emulate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, after this, I'll, I'll connect you with them. Absolutely, but I'll be out there on February 9th 
through the third and I fly back on the 13th. But yeah, but you know what, uh, Peter, thank you so much for your time, you know, you know, for, for educating us and encouraging us here. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody listening is going to be like really excited for this new church plant. Anybody in my listeners, you know, it's in Santa Ana or Orange County or Tustin or anywhere around there. They'll be interested, you know, go down there, uh, you know, check out that Bible study you guys do on Thursdays on the book of Judges. Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, and let them know that uh, the Chicano Knox sent you. Yeah, and then, there we go. <laughs> uh, all right, well, Peter, well, thank you so much. Until next time, you know, I love that we connect. Um, you yeah, know, absolutely. Me, yeah, absolutely, man. Anything else um, you want to say before you leave? Uh, what we say in our, our podcast is, is – uh, is let this podcast, let Bible theory, let Gil Grace, whatever it is, let it lead you to the local church and, and hear the gospel on a on a weekly basis. So so move from this to a church and, and be part of a local church. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Peter. Thank you so much. God bless you. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for listening to the bible theory don't forget to share this with your homies and subscribe to bible theory on iHeartRadio, spotify itunes amazon music and follow on twitter at the chicano knox